back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter, <laughs> the heroes, pick up your phone and call the professionals, Go Ghostbusters, and the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples, it's freezing out there. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. that guy in the flyer you know beetle don't even say his name you don't want his help well we might no you don't he does not work well with others what do you mean i didn't want to bring it up but rather than have you stumble onto it and make another mistake i'll tell you he was my assistant but he was a troublemaker. He went out on his own as a freelance bio-exorcist. Claimed he could get rid of the living. Got into more trouble. In fact, I believe he's been sleezing around your cemetery lately. The only way he can be brought back is by calling his name three times. But I strongly suggest that you remove the Dietzes yourselves. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now, what do you think? Are you the guys hiding out in the attic? We're ghosts. What do you look like under there? Aren't you scared? I'm not scared of sheets. Are you gross under there? Are you Night of the Living Dead under there? Like all bloody veins and pus? Night of the what? here with you i will live with you in this hellhole but i must express myself if you don't let me gut out this house and make it my own i will go insane and i will take you with me uh breakfast orange orange beetle uh, beetle fruit beetle breakfast uh, beetle drink beetle uh, uh, uh beetle Juice? Yes, that's it! Name's Beetlejuice? Ah, you said it twice, just say it once more, come on. You bunch of losers! You're working with a professional here! Nice f***ing model! Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA. And today, just in time for Halloween, we honor the ghost with the most, the Afterworld's greatest bio-exorcist. 30 years after we loved him in the Cineplex, we are finally ready to celebrate Beetlejuice. I'm feeling a little uh, anxious, if you know what I mean. It's been about 600 years, after all. I wonder where a guy, an everyday Joe like myself, could find a little action. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to listen to our show at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at uh-huh, 
clnsmedia.com. And as always, please, if you love our show, share the links on social media. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Oh, come on. Don't go yet. Hey, guy, come on. We're simpatico here. Look at us. Huh? We even shop at the same store. Steve, I feel like we need a third voice for this this show, so I'm, I'm just going to do this. Don't try and stop me. Jen with one N, Jen with one N, Jen with one N. Dale. <laughs> guys they weren't expecting that good listener <laughs> yeah. we're like peas in a pod the three of us let's face it you want somebody out of the house i want to get somebody out of your house come this might be one of the more quotable movies of the 80s no no i rewatched it the other night and i was shocked at how many of those lines i was dropping out before they were said i was i really didn't expect that at all it's somehow like baked into my brain now a lot of those lines Right, right. I watched it for the first time probably in six months last night. And I, I wasn't going to watch it again. So I'm like, gosh, I, I know this movie backwards and forwards. I don't need to watch it again. But I thought, oh, well, eh, just do it. And Due it's diligence. amazing how many little things you catch the, the 20th time you watch it. <laughs> and it's amazing how many lines pop out. You're like, oh, that's such a great line. Why don't I use that more at work? And like, oh, that's right, because I work with people that are half my age. <laughs> Don't you hate it when that happens. Let's go, Bob. Wait, wait, wait. Come on. Just come on for a while. We'll talk inside. Come on. Brad, uh, what did you think when you watched it for the hundredth time this week? Uh, I have a confession to make, 80s Nation. I just saw it for the first time last night. <laughs> we just have to pray the other closets are bigger than this one. <gasps> Bradley. I know. It's kind of surprising. What gives? You know, how would you? I don't know. I just, I didn't ever see it. I mean, I'm certainly familiar with it. I recognize the quotes when I hear them. I, you know, I know the, knew the basic outline of the story. It's like going to the opera, you know, the plot before you get there. You're just there for the singing. So, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of a surreal experience. I, I, I don't think I can compete with the nostalgia of this film. It's, I don't even feel like it's fair for me to weigh in too much on it. By the end of it, I liked it more than I thought I would. Hmm. Did you enjoy it? Like, did you find it an enjoyable experience without the the baggage, I guess, of of memory? Well, yeah, that's the thing. I think that it's hard. It, it's hard for me to see it the same way you guys see it because you're seeing it with this, you know, kind of well, like we do a lot of things on this show. We're, we've burdened <laughs> it with our own take on our memories, right? And in this case, I'm watching it fresh. And I'm like, boy, Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin are young. You know, like, and that guy's a child molester, and wow, look at little Winona Ryder, and you know that kind of stuff. So it's just it's a different place to be seeing it from. This is our first meal in this house, so why don't we all do our little private parts to make it a pleasant one? Don't bait your mother, pumpkin. As soon as we get settled, we'll build you a dark room in the basement. Okay? My whole life is a dark room. One big dark. Room. So you were miserable in New York City, and now you're going to be miserable out here in the sticks. Jen, do you remember singing? Did you see it for the first time in the theater? I I was trying to remember that last night. I think I did see it in the theater, but I probably watched it on VHS a lot more. So I I think I did see it in theater. But I it's funny, Brad, that you say that about the the burden, but I haven't watched it in many, 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 many years. And it yeah. felt really fresh to me. I mean, despite the fact that I knew sort of the, the taglines. Go ahead. Make my millennium. <laughs> I, I was surprised at how fresh it felt. And I was surprised at how fun it was to watch. I didn't remember that part of it. You know what I mean? I remembered it yeah. being good, but I forgot that it was a, this is going to sound bizarre, but I forgot that it was like a dark comedy. For some reason, I was remembering it as like more of a family film, if that makes any <laughs> sense. And, and I'm really glad that somebody like, so I, I, I suggested to my eight-year-old daughter that we watch it because it's Halloween time, you know, and it seemed appropriate. And so I showed her the trailer and I had told her it's about this ghost and he tries to scare these people out of the, this house. And she watched it and she just had this look of like kind of fright, <laughs> I guess is a good word, on her face. And she was like, Mom, this movie is weird. It is too weird for me. No thanks. And I said, well, why? Why? Let's explain it to me. And she's like, well, when you said he was a ghost trying to scare people out of the house, I thought he was a friendly ghost. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, he's a jerk. <laughs> so I had forgotten all the like really dark comedy, like the, uh, the various split hands and necks 
played for laughs. Uh, like, yeah, <laughs> all over the place. Them. All over the place. One of yeah, the things yeah. I, I noticed was like there's a John Belushi character in the background of one of the scenes when they're in the afterlife someplace. I'm like, yeah, that's a nice little touch. I missed that. There's a lot of little tiny things. I, I saw this for the first time in the theater and I and I still don't remember why because at that point, Tim Burton was really not a big name to me, the director of this movie. He yeah. had done Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but I don't think I saw that in the theaters. I think I somehow escaped that. And to me, this was maybe my first exposure to Tim Burton and it was also my probably my first ex- exposure to like dark comedy. I don't think I understood the concept at that point. And I remember leaving the theater thinking there's some funny moments but overall i don't get why i i I just it didn't didn't click two plus two did not quite equal four until i saw it a couple more times and then i was like okay i get it now they're you know they're playing off of this or yeah it didn't connect the very first time it connects like uh you know roger maris now for me so well you were like my daughter was too it was too weird it's too weird too weird yeah too weird. That, that's just so funny. I can picture your daughter just arms akimbo, just like, too weird, mom. Too yep. weird. Mom. Forget it. <laughs> uh, for those who haven't watched it, and I guess there are some of you, since Brad hasn't seen it, Beetlejuice does get a lot of labels, a comedy fantasy, a dark horror, whatever. Director Tim Burton probably deserves a lot of credit for what we see in Beetlejuice. It wasn't his first big Hollywood project, as we mentioned. That was Pee Wee. But Burton had been around Hollywood for a long time before he made Beetlejuice. He was an animator at Disney, which I don't think I knew working on films like Fox and the Hound, The Black Cauldron, and even uh, Brad's beloved Tron. What? Yeah. I didn't even know though that. I don't think any of his work made it into the film, but he, he did do work on it. Dark. Uh, he also did a lot of stop motion and live action shorts. It's hard to say, it's hard to argue that Beetlejuice was the movie that really kind of opened his career wide open. That might have been Batman. Uh, yeah. This movie did gross... 80 million on a budget of just 15 million and it won the Oscar for best makeup and it would be revived as a cartoon with Burton serving as the executive producer. What how can you blame me, Lydia? Your parents make it so easy. I know, I know, but don't you have any willpower? Willpower? That little voice inside your head that tells you when you're doing something wrong. I never do anything wrong. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, if you from from where I sit, sit when I saw this last night, I'm like, okay, I see where you you can see his career coming. Like this is the first steps down a, a path he's going to take with stuff like Edward Scissorhands and and some of his other pictures. You know, you can kind of see it. I will say, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I felt like the ending was maybe not in keeping with his usual style. But uh, you can see kind of the proto Tim Burton starting to turn into who he kind of becomes sure. known as. It does have a lot of his um, signature elements. It has the Danny Elfman soundtrack. So good. Uh, the plot, the plot as we should all know by heart, revolves around a recently deceased couple uh, played by uh, Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis who were very, as you say, very, very young. Uh, and they skinny. The they are both so skinny. So sweet. <laughs> they're so sweet. Oh, so, they're so sweet. They, uh, after their death, they enlist the help of an obnoxious ghost named Beetlejuice played by Michael Keaton to help chase away the new inhabitants of their beloved home in, where is this, Vermont? Supposed to be Vermont? No, Connecticut. It's Connecticut. 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 Right. I mean, right. here's the thing. I could, without watching this movie, I could have told you the plot to this. I could have told you that Winona Ryder is the only one that can see them. I could have, to, you know, I could have laid all that part out for you. I didn't know exactly how it ended, but I knew the main story through line. Yeah, but in a way, so many great movies have that quality. And I don't mean to continue to pick this as a particular example, because it's not an 80s movie and it has nothing to do with the 80s, but Apollo 13 is a movie where everybody knows oh, how yeah. it ends. In Titanic, and the you boat sit there sinks. Right. Flash. <laughs> and yet, right, right. But for some reason, that's almost a better structure to build a movie on than something where you don't know where it's going. Yeah. So, I mean, or, that's, that's, what, so that, that's what you run into when you – any prequel, right? You know it's got to end in a place where you can get to the next story. So. Usually, right. It, the movie has aged well over the years. It maintains an 83% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Critics generally praise it for its bounce of comedy horror and outright bizarreness, as Jen's daughter noted. <laughs> Roger Ebert, our favorite critic here at Stucky Needies, wasn't very kind in his review. He gave it only two stars and suggested that the script should have stuck more to the sweet romance between Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. I, I, mm, I don't think that makes works. makes me wonder if he'd ever... 
Yeah, I don't think think that works. It's a Tim. It's a Tim Burton movie, Roger. It's not. Don't think that's going to happen. He did lament that Michael Keaton was so unrecognizable behind all that makeup that you couldn't tell it was him, and that his scenes didn't fit in with the other action. And yes, Uh, he didn't like Michael Keaton, but that's okay. He's been dead for a while. He's playing a character, (laughs) Roger. He's playing a character. his scenes when his scenes don't fit in with the other action, that's sort of the point. He's you know, he's the bull in the china shop. He's the wild card. Yeah. Right. That's right. why that's why Juno says don't summon him, he's just gonna screw everything up. Well, of course. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, I, I sort of think that Roger, kinda like I did, had the same take the first time he saw it, which was like, I I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny that he he mentions those things because I think of those things in the completely opposite way like well i think one of the things that surprised me watching it again after all these years is like how good the acting is because what i remember is keaton's performance right which is so over the top and and bananas but what i forgot was everyone else's performance isn't everyone else's performance is like grounded in this weird reality that you kind of go along with yeah it's great and i think like gina davis and alec baldwin like they had a lot of opportunities to probably play it not straight and they and they and when he says sweet couple i think that's what he's referring to is that they're just playing it like it's so real and winona Ryder too like no nobody's even otho even him like i remember him being way more over the top than the performance actually is and i think it's tim burton making it all real and and you know quote logical within the movie's own logic and then mm-hmm. michael keaton gets just gets to do whatever he wants and it, and then that's what makes it fun like that's what makes that's what makes the movie so fun is beetlejuice gets to just be beetlejuice and everyone else is sort of you know playing just, it straight like yeah they're just in his world i will say that i felt like the beetlejuice character was like you know the only thing that was missing was him with a tape recorder saying feed dead tuna fish mayonnaise like it was the undead version of bill blajowski from night shift which was great which is great yeah. you know for him to just riff like that is fantastic <laughs> yeah call star kiss you you, when you guys were in like elementary school did you ever play the game where you, all the kids you know grab an edge of the parachute and you shake it and there's like a ball in the middle that goes flying up and down yeah yeah popcorn that's what this movie is you've got all these amazing actors who are all ho- holding their own like piece of the parachute you've got Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis and Winona Ryder. You have Catherine O'Hara as Delia Dietz. Jeffrey Jones as the husband. Glenn Shaddix as Otho. Sylvia Sidney as Juno. And then, and then oddly enough, Robert Gouillet and Dick Cavett are in this movie with small roles as dinner guests. And they've each got a piece of the parachute, you know, but they're, and they're just waving it like crazy their own way. And Beetlejuice is just that, that rubber red ball in the middle that just goes flying in, you know, a hundred different directions. Look at your lovely little analogy. Wow, Take I like that, that, Roger Ebert. Didn't Mic write drop. that down. So just one of those weird things that just kind of happened as you guys were kind of explaining your take on it. But Charles, what I want to know is why didn't you tell us about this before? Wow. Well, we're not even sure we want our little secret out. I mean, everyone's going to want them for their parties. <laughs> Speaking of the cast, these are probably not the cast members that Tim Burton originally had in mind when he planned Beetlejuice. He did not write Beetlejuice, by the way. It was a script that was presented to him and then heavily rewritten. But Tim Burton wanted Sammy Davis Jr. to play Beetlejuice. Oh, oh my gosh, my gosh uh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> studio didn't like that. Other people considered uh, Robin Williams, Christopher Lloyd, Jim Carrey, Tim Curry, Jack Nicholson, and Bill Murray all considered to play Beetlejuice. Hmm. Sorry, my brain is like shorting trying to trying to think of Sammy Davis Jr. in that part. Yeah. Like, I can't do it. Right. Michael Keaton didn't want the job until he went and saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And then he sort of got, okay, I understand what Tim's talking about, which makes one of us. And oddly enough, even though, even though he's the title character, he doesn't appear until 25 minutes into the film. He ultimately only appears in 17 minutes of the film. That's all that is Beetlejuice. It took hmm. him only two weeks to film it for his, his part. Wow. Bizarre, huh? That's interesting. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't think about that, but you're right. I mean, he, he looms large over the movie, but it's quite a while before you find out who he is, what it's about. Right. Just about everybody who ended up in this movie said no the first time it was offered to him. This was a real hard sell. 
and, and you can see why. I mean, I'm sure if you read the script for this, you're like, I have no idea like, where this is going what? or how yeah. this is funny or how this is entertaining. Yeah, it must have been bizarre on paper, especially. And I think, Brad, you're probably right. I'm guessing the ending is not as cheerful <laughs> originally. No, I yeah, I mean, the, the, the ending of this movie, spoiler alert, the, end of the ending of this movie is very sweet. It really is just like, you know, we've the live and the dead have figured out how to live together and they're kind of jointly raising this kid and it's like, oh, da, 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 da. It's not what you picture from Tim Burton. How'd you do in that science test? It was gross. They wanted me to dissect a frog. I told him no way. I said it was against my religion. So I got to see. And how about the math test? You have got to be kidding me. We spent the whole week studying for that test. I got an A. So can I? Well, I don't know. Got a C on the science test. Adam, don't tease her. You never get an A in science. You're Come on. Well, the original script was darker. The the Maitlands are supposed to get partially crushed in their fatal car wreck. Mm. Uh, oh, Beetlejuice was supposed to be a winged demon that turns into a Middle Eastern elderly man in human form. And okay. there was also supposed to be there's also supposed to be a second younger child for the Dietzes who gets mauled by Beetlejuice at the end of the movie. Oh gosh. So, yes, okay, it was that's supposed to a be different, different ending. That's quite different. A little, little different uh, take. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and as for the name itself, Warner Brothers, the studio that made it, they disliked it so much, the name Beetlejuice, they didn't get it. They just couldn't wrap their brains around it. They wanted to call the film House Ghosts. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> um and reportedly, wow. as a joke, Burton suggested the name Scared Sheetless instead. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and was uh, appropriately horrified when the studio actually considered using it. Oh, dear. Apparently, I, I think like a Warner Brothers executive from the 80s. I better go do some cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> I like the ending of the movie, though. I, I really appreciate the fact that they do get to live together. And the scene where... Um, Jump in the line. Is that what the name of the song is that they sing at the end? Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's great. I totally right. agree. I totally agree with you. It's very, very satisfying ending. I just didn't see it coming. To me, it's like any movie, any movie really is, has a hard time sticking its landing. I mean, to me, that's like the, the you count on like two hands the numbers of movies that really stick their landing, you know, starting with Casablanca, you know, but uh, this one does. I mean, that's a, it's a beautiful, fun ending. You, you leave the theater happy and humming a tune, you know, and you kind of want to see the movie again. Totally agree. You know what part surprised me was the part where, where the white worm, the worm of Lambton from Lair of the White Worm, <laughs> came <laughs> up out of... I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. Because if you watch both movies, the, 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 um, the puppetry is very similar. That's funny. I, I will say this is my second favorite movie that mentions sandworms. He who controls the spice controls the universe i'm like there's a sandworm joke in the first 20 minutes of this movie you gotta be kidding me and it's yeah. a crucial part of the ending too i know can, can i ask a plot question sure because i feel like i missed something so spoilers ahead in case you you want want to skip over the next couple minutes here but the part where they are toward the end where they're being summoned by otho and they're filling they're in the um their bridal and groom outfits mm-hmm. yeah so then they start to like wither away and 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 uh, and literally crumble like their their skin goes away and then it's just their bones. And then all of a sudden when Beetlejuice comes out they're fine again. What happened? Did what did well, he, I miss? He like waves his hand at them. Oh. Which I guess revives them. Yeah, that's that's like, why well, Lydia goes and that's why Lydia goes and summons him, right? Is you have to save them. Yeah, he saves them. And then he does. Yeah. Okay. I must have like blinked or something because I totally missed how they were all of a sudden. Got better. What, what's got. everyone's What's everyone's take? Here's one of my, the, what I thought was the funniest bits in the movie is when they, when they go to the afterlife waiting room and there's all the other people that are there who had recently died, uh, you know, all by horrible means. And then you suddenly, and then there's the people who are manning the office, you know, the clerks and the secretary and you sort of think they all have something in common, but you don't, you can't quite figure it out until about a few minutes later when Otho explains that if you if you commit suicide, 
you become a civil servant in the afterlife. <laughs> and then you suddenly get why everybody was doing what they were doing in the waiting room. You don't have an appointment, do you? Well, we didn't know how to make one. Appointment for what? What do you want? We need some help. Ha! Already? We just bit the big one two months ago, and you want help. Two months? What does that have to do with anything? You're going to use up all your health vouchers. Denitis. You spend 125 years on Earth, actually in that house, during which you get only three Class 1 D90 intercessions with Juno. You probably haven't even read through the manual completely yet. Right, and why she makes the joke about, I wouldn't have done this, and she shows her wrists. Yeah. Right? And you see people who've hung themselves and stuff like that. Yeah. It's a dark joke at its finest. Yeah. The scene that I did not know anything about that I hadn't seen any clips of, believe it or not, was the dinner party kind of possession scene. And that's amazing. Oh, wow. That was so fun. I had no idea that was coming. Now, Lydia, favor us about your ghosts. No. I am sick of that subject. Oh, Delia, lighten up. I would rather talk about... It's cute, Delia. Daylight come and me wango. Oh, so, are you doing Work this? Work all night on a drink of rum. I mean, I knew the song was in the movie somewhere, and I'm like, oh, here it comes. Oh, oh, that's not what I was expecting. Oh, my gosh, that was a remarkable. That's just a fantastic piece in the middle of the movie. Was. <laughs> and it was fun, that fun twist of when Winona Ryder's character was saying how they wouldn't come out because you, that you scared them. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was really cute. So to go back to the civil servants for a second, do you guys watch The Good Place? Mm-mm. Yes. So, oh, Bradley, it's so good. It's really good, It's Brad. really, really fun. And to, just to connect it to the 80s, Ted Danson in it, is in it, and he is amazing. But so The Good Place is sort of a place somewhere between heaven and hell. You're, real, you're not really quite sure. And as I was watching those scenes where they try to leave their house and can't and then they go to this place where everyone else is dead and and waiting in line for stuff that it reminded me of the good place and i thought wow that show really owes a debt to beetlejuice which i never realized before Hmm. i never made the connection but it's that same sort of like betweenness that is in both that the show the good place and and beetlejuice and it just struck me and i was like man i bet they're fans of that movie (laughs) you know (laughs) the writers of the good place yeah i wouldn't doubt it the um the one scene that I never really caught on to until I watched it last night, and it's only because I had started doing my research on it. There's a scene, and I'm, I don't know if you remember this, Brad, because you've only seen it once, where they're back in Juno's office, and mm-hmm. she's got the dead football team that are all around her, bugging her, <laughs> right. calling her coach. Can I go to the Which bathroom? Is, by the way, that's one of the, co- <laughs> yeah. that's one of the costumes I was thinking about going on uh, for the 80s cruise for Horror Night, by the way. It was one of the dead football players. So uh, the only trouble is I just think that the helmet would be too hard to get. But, but, but here's the part about it. If you look carefully, and I didn't, I didn't catch this like the first 30 times I saw the movie, but only because I read a note. If you pay attention, there's a, when the football players are in the office and the Maitlands are in the office and June is there, there's another window where you can see another theater. But the theater is full of dead people, and they're watching what's happening on the screen at the same time that we're watching what's happening on the screen. Huh. It only flashes to it a couple times. You got to really pay attention, but they're there. <laughs> and they're watching the movie the way we're watching it. I think it's one of the more hidden moments, I think, of the movie. That's the scene where I noticed the John Belushi, like kind of Blues Brothers type person kind of through the frosted glass. Is that where the audience for the the undead side of the theater is I'd have to now I, have to, I would actually have to look at it again t- to determine no but you see it they're like through a side door oh okay and they're looking up at the screen and then occasionally they look at each other and they're just watching a movie same as we are it, it's it's one of those weird I, I don't know what the thinking was there other than because it doesn't really fit the th- theme of the movie overall but it it's clever well you know Tim Burton so. had some reason he wanted to do it yeah, it's some homage to something that's smarter than I am. 
I didn't notice any of this. I was thinking about The Good Place, honestly. <laughs> Still thinking about The Good Place. I'll have to watch it again. Coach. Coach, where's the men's room? Yeah. yeah. I'm not your coach. He survived. By the way, Coach, let me get something straight. What's our curfew around here? Will you get out of here? Go on, get downstairs. Men's room, are you kidding? So many of the actors that were in this movie would appear and worked with each other again. Alec Baldwin and Jeffrey Jones appeared in The Hunt for October. Love Michael it. Keaton and Gina Davis were together in Speechless. Uh, Jeffrey Jones and Winona Ryder appeared in The Crucible. Oh. Gina Davis and Jeffrey Jones appeared in Stuart Little. And Michael Keaton and Alex Baldwin appeared in 30 Rock. So oh. there you go. Can we, do a, can we do a Hunt for Red October show sometime? I know it's 1990. I want to do a series of shows about movies that should have been 80s movies, and, and that would be my first pick. There are no females in that movie. <laughs> I just, well, speaking of females, <laughs> I just wanted to mention Winona Ryder was in her first film, Lucas, just two years before. What? And it was her performance and, there that got her spotted for this one. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. And then Another she movie. was in um, that dumb movie, Square Dance with Rob Lowe. But then 1988, when this movie came out, was a really good year for her because then she went on to do 1969 with Kiefer Sutherland and Robert Downey Jr. And then, of course, Heathers. So it was a good year for her. Mm. Yeah. I didn't. Heathers was, I guess, the other first dark comedy I'd ever seen. Likewise, I didn't get it. So I still don't. I could quote Heathers all day long. <laughs> Here at Stuck in the 80s, we're happy to announce a new sponsor, Mac Weldon. If you've been on the internet, you're probably familiar with them. They're those guys that engineered a special fabric for their underwear. But I want to tell you there's a lot more <laughs> going on there than just boxers. Now, don't get me wrong. They have a lot of underwear choices, but there's also a whole line of menswear essentials. Socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, sweatpants, jackets. There's some luggage. I think there's swim trunks. That's all part of their commitment to making comfortable, functional clothes. And Steve, there's even a line of silver underwear. Mm. Silver, like the bullets used on the Wolfman to keep in the Halloween theme here. Not like the silver bullets I drink when I'm on road trips. <laughs> because silver is naturally antimicrobial. For those of you who never studied, like Peter Venkman, that means they eliminate odor. And they're pretty confident you're going to like the product. If you aren't happy with your first pair of boxers, briefs, or whatever you wear, probably something unusual, like John Winger, you just you keep it. And Mack Weldon will refund your money with no questions asked. So after I chatted with them last week, I got on the website and I looked around a little bit. And one thing you should know about me is I'm a total whore for outerwear. Probably because I live someplace warm. I, I just I love to buy coats and sweatshirts and jackets. I just I can't stop it. It's it's a bad habit. I don't know what to tell you about that. But when I saw the worm knit long sleeve waffle t shirt, I was just gotta have one. It's a light layer that's engineered to keep me warm and I can wear it over a t shirt or I can just wear it by itself sold. It showed up the other day and it's just what I had hoped. It's thin and it's comfy. It stretches just enough and it's just warm enough for times when I'm enjoying a refreshing beverage on the back patio on a cool evening. I predict it will be in high rotation along with the various college spirit wear I'm obliged to wear this fall and winter. Because, you know, winter here means it's like 60. That aside, because you're a Stuck in the 80s listener, you get a special offer. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and use the promo code 80s at checkout. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com and use the promo code 80S at checkout for 20% off your first order. I think one of the reasons why they let you keep your underwear... <laughs> they don't want to pack. that's a good thing that they let you... <laughs> they don't want to pack. I don't care how antimicrobial it is. They don't <laughs> yeah, want to pack. There are laws. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of laws, there should be a law against any Beetlejuice sequel, but that's what was actually supposed to happen. Uh, after following the success of the original movie, there was a script um, that was already to go called Beetlejuice Goes Hawaiian. Are, are you and kidding? I are you, no, and oh I believe God, that all, makes me so crazy. They didn't up. want, they didn't understand it the first time, and then they're just like, just. just Send him to Hawaii, it, it, it whatever. Worked, it worked for the yeah. Brady Bunch. Does Beetlejuice find a tiki idol in a cave someplace? What the hell? Uh, <sighs> it just sounds awful. Uh, according to what I read, all the principals had pretty much agreed to, to reprise their roles. Mm. So who knows where that madness could have gone. There's pretty much news every month out of Hollywood on work on a Beetlejuice 2. In fact, I think it was either this week or, or, or late last week that a new writer is already at work on a new script. So... I think sure one way or another are. we're going to get Beetlejuice 2. You know what? Like, like so many things, just turned into a 10-episode 
series and throw it on Amazon Prime or Netflix and just be done with it. Here's the thing that happens is, is people who want to become writers in Hollywood write these things what they call a spec script. So somebody, probably 10 people have written what they would call a spec script for Beetlejuice 2. And from watching tape heads last week, we all know what doing something on spec means. It means we're not getting paid. <laughs> so this is people who have written something to try and use it as a calling card for something else. And I think what happens a lot of times is People see these spec scripts kind of floating around. They're like, oh, they're working on a new, they're working on a sequel to Beetlejuice. They're working on a sequel to Titanic. They're working on a sequel to, you know, Apollo 13. It's called Apollo 13 and a half. You know, so <laughs> it's Apollo I think 14 assholes. I, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think a lot of times that kind of practice in Hollywood kind yeah. of spawns this never ending talk of these sequels that are really never going to see the light of day. Right. Well, I think this one, I, if, if I, we're lucky. If I, if yeah. I recall correctly, it was actually like a legitimate. It was actually a legitimate, well-known writer who was hired by, I believe, the original screenwriter. So it was. It was. It's a little bit more than just a spec gig. I I suspect. But does that mean we're going to see it? I don't think so. But one thing we are going to see, in fact, we already are seeing, is Beetlejuice the musical. Have you guys heard about this? Mm-mm. No. It's been all over social media. It's actually it's doing previews right now in Washington D.C. It's going to hmm. have a formal opening in November, and then it's scheduled to move to Broadway in April 2019. Wow. Uh, Alex Brightman, from the musical version of School of Rock, plays Beetlejuice, who's intended to be a younger and punkier version of uh, the character than the way Keaton played it. And early reviews say the production focuses more on the story of Lydia Dietz than the other characters. And, and we are assured that there are plenty of Easter eggs in the production, so film fans should not be... Uh, too disappointed. That kind of makes sense because Lydia is the bridge between all the characters, right? So I can see sure. how you'd focus on her. Well, Beetlejuice is, he was only in 20% of the movie. Why should he be in 80% of the musical? So, Unless he can really sing. I bet he's not. I would hope they would hire someone who could <laughs> sing. Yeah, well, Al- Alex Brightman can sing, so that's, that's not going to yeah, be a problem. Yeah. But I, I'll be curious to see how it does. I mean, it's pretty much a trend these days on Broadway to take a successful movie and turn it into a musical. So it, for all those people who lament that Hollywood has no originality, boom, I give you Broadway. Broadway is out of ideas. They're out of ideas, too. <laughs> Stuck in the 80s is happy to announce a new sponsor, and it's a name you know, Audible. The best source for audiobooks so you can spend your time and money more wisely. Wisely. And we're thrilled to announce that there's a new program called Audible Originals, which are exclusive audio titles created by celebrated story writers from worlds as diverse as theater, journalism, literature, and more. Can you guys tell that I'm reading from a script? Hardly. <laughs> no, seriously. Don't talk this no, way. Not at all. Why are you saying Jen's lines, Brad? Anyway, each month. Audible members get one credit, good for an audiobook they choose, plus two Audible originals from a changing selection that they can't get anywhere else. I just bought uh, Phil Collins' book today. I, I said I was going to do it the last time we talked about Audible, but I did it today. And I listened to the first two chapters on the way home uh, from work today. So there you go. Boom, I used my one credit, and that was good for the audiobook. I didn't have to pay a dime for it. So there you go. Why did we partner with Audible? Two reasons, really. I'm in a car three hours a day, especially today I was at least three hours, driving to and from work, and I'm tired of listening to music and podcasts every single day, especially since the podcasts I listen to are getting semi-depressing these days. And because Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet, they are the natural go-to. So starting next week, I'm going to get another book. I think I'm going to get... Everyone says the Billy Idol biography is pretty good, too, so maybe I'll try that one next. We'll see. The Chrissy Hines one is good, too. Okay. At first, I have to get through through uh, 12 hours of uh, Phil Collins. Audible offers you 30 days to try Audible for free, which includes your choice of any audiobook, plus the aforementioned two Audible originals. It's the perfect way to discover what millions already have. Listening lets you get more books into your life. Amen, brother. Woot. So get your first audiobook for free. Choose two titles from your curated list of Audible originals. To do so, visit audible.com slash 80s or text 80s, 80s, that is, to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 80s or text 80s to 500-500. Audible will make your life better. and It'll make it easier for us to bring you a new podcast every week. And life, it's just better with books. You know what else life is better with? Jen's trivia game. All right. So tonight's game, tonight, today, this morning, whenever you're listening to this game, 
Well, I'm not going to tell you the title yet. I just want to make sure that you guys, your buzzers are working. Go ahead, ring in. Brad. Brad. <laughs> Wait, mine's broken. Okay, Steve's is broken. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. All right, you ready? Okay. All right, here we go. So the name of the game is Goody Two Shoes. And it's all about shoes of the 80s. Shoes of the 80s. Oh, jeez. So I think, trust me, you'll do better than you think you're going to do. So I guess that's it. If As long as your buzzers are working, Steve. Steve. Oh, Great. good. We got it fixed. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's play a game. Shall we play a game? Yes, love to. Yes, love to. Round one is Shoesick. Which rhymes with music. <laughs> this will be the first of three rounds. Five questions in each round. Let's go. This is go. stretchier than my new Mac Weldon waffle weave t-shirt. <laughs> All right, here we go. Seriously, this time. Who sings Goody Two-Shoes? Brad. Steve. Brad. Adam Ant. Point for Brad. Who sings I Can't Wait? Steve. Brad. Steve. New Shoes. New shoes. Spell new shoes. Brad. Steve. Brad. N U. Gotta be kidding. Space. I call shenanigans. O O Z. Point for Brad. Finish this lyric. Let's dance. Put on. Brad. Brad. Your red shoes and dance the blues. Point for Brad. Last one in this round. And this one's by uh, one of the headliners at the 80s cruise, Mr. Kenny Loggins. In his song, Footloose, what does he suggest you kick off? Brad. Steve. Brad. Your Sunday shoes. Point for Brad. You're doing quite well in this round, friend. Yeah, it's amazing how well you're doing. So So bitter. So bitter and angry. (laughs) Steve, there's plenty of game left. There's plenty of game left. You know what you need for a good comeback story? You got to be behind. Hey, since you mentioned the 80s cruise, <laughs> uh, you know, there's a new promo code right now for I'm us. Uh, stuck in the 80s fans can get $800 off a balcony cabin or $1,000 off a concierge cabin with the promo code STUCK80. It just came out today. I sent an email on our email list. So if you didn't get that, let me know. If you want more information, let me know and I'll send it to you. The price includes all port taxes, gratuities, all the parties, all the Q&As, the meet and greets, the Big 80s trivia, all the free t-shirts that we're going to give you at Big 80s trivia if you somehow manage to get these questions right, uh, all the performances and all the fun. So Stuck80, the promo code, save up to $1,000 and join us on the cruise and then maybe you'll be able to magically buzz in faster than Steve too. Let's continue (laughs) the quote unquote game. Haters gotta hate. So listen, guys. Um, 80s Cruise Pro Tip. We have a category this time called... Well, I, won't, I don't want to spoil what it's called, but it's a, there's a fashion category, fashion of the 80s, and a couple of these perhaps will be in there, so pay attention. Here we go, round two. Shoovies, which rhymes with movies. <laughs> I had a lot of fun putting this one together. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Is there a podcast equivalent to dad jokes? <laughs> I think so. That's exactly what it is. All right. Question number one for round two. In the film Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Jeff Spicoli hits what brand of shoe against his head? Steve. Steve. Fans. Correct. Point for Steve. What kind of sneakers did Marty McFly wear in Back to the Future? Bonus if Brad. you know the colors. Brad. They're Nikes. Okay, you want to shoot for the color point? Oh, they're white with a red stripe, aren't they? Excellent. I prefer to call it a swoosh, but yeah, okay. that's well, right. Well, you know, if we're going to stay on brand, then yes, it would be a swoosh. Point deducted for saying stripe. That's my point. Oh, play your own game, bro. Take that, Biff. This ain't no peep show. Shall I continue? <laughs> Shall we? All right, here we go. In the film, Desperately Seeking Susan... What did Susan trade for that awesome jacket with the pyramid on the back of it? Well, Steve. Steve? Obviously her her shoes. Can you be more specific? 
You didn't ask me to be more specific. If Brad can get away with calling I did me when I asked, stripe, I when should I deserve I get you, this. When I asked you, can you be more specific, that was me asking me if asking you if you could be more specific. You should have asked it the first time around. Man, Steve's turned into a rules lawyer on us. I think we should just, you know, we're going to have to sit you down, young it's man. It's footwear. It's footwear. I won't lie. Nope, I can't answer more specific than that. That's it. I, I'm standing with my no. answer, shoes. Brad, you want to give it a shot? You could steal no. this point from Steve. Hasn't from he stolen Steve. enough? Nothing would make me happier right now than to put my boot on his neck because he's being such a little baby, <laughs> but I've never seen that movie. Uh-huh. Okay, so you're, you you're know, not submitting an answer at all. <laughs> I'm going to have to friends again. <laughs> all right, so no one gets that point. But I got to tell you the irony here, guys. It was boots. And you just <laughs> said the word boot. And if I really wanted to make Steve mad, like really, really wanted to, I would have given you the point just for saying the word. That's all right. Let's move on. All right, here we go. And don't forget what, what category it is, right? We're talking about movies here. Shoovies. Mm-hmm. Name the shoes that Reese steals in the Terminator. <sighs> Even the brand will suffice. Steve. 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 Yes, Steve. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Adidas. Incorrect. Okay. Brad, want to uh, give a shot? Brad says. I mean, I know there's boots. No, that's Terminator Two. He takes the guy's boots. I don't. I have no idea. It's not Adidas. Okay, so, so they're let's go Nike. With Converse. Let's go with Converse. No. Nope. Okay, nope. nope. Okay. Nope. They are Nike high tops. They're officially called Nike Vandal high tops, and I have been obsessing about these sneakers for many years now. I am. I want them so badly, and I found a pair, and they're like three hundred dollars. <laughs> so I won't be buying those high so, tops. But yeah. here's my pro tip for eighties. Uh, trivia on the cruise don't use that question or someone will beat you to death with their shoes oh (laughs) no don't worry don't worry i'll be fair i'll be fair but um you know you guys are you guys you deserve a little bit of she's giving us credit for the master's level this is the final question in this round and it is not easy are you ready Uh, no um, okay, here we go. Molly Ringwald's character, Andy, in Pretty in Pink, tells her dad at the beginning of the movie about her outfit. She says that she made everything and that the shoes cost how much secondhand? Ha. Brad. Steve. Brad. $7.50. Incorrect. Steve. Steve. $4. $10 secondhand. And she made the rest. <laughs> All right, this is the third and final round. my defense, I've seen that movie exactly (sighs) once, and I did not enjoy it. So you don't remember that line then? No, I don't. At the beginning, when her dad asked about her outfit? But I decided to go low, because I wanted to be Price is Right rules, right? Closest without going over? Oh, yeah. Maybe maybe Brad (laughs) should get a point for that one. No, 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 no. No, no, no. $10 is the answer. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Round three, real life shoes. Question one. According to the official preppy handbook, this footwear is a symbol of classic prep style. Steve. Brad. Steve. Sperry. Sperry. Topsiders. Very good. (laughs) I knew you would get it. All right. Next question. This sneaker had as its spokesmodels Paula Abdul and Belinda Carlisle. Brad. Brad. LA Gear. Correct. You yeah, live in LA, so you should have gotten that one. I'm going to start that's calling good. you Brad in LA gear. Oh. All right. Next question. These shoes were so beloved by Run DMC that they wrote a song Steve, about Brad. it. Steve. My Steve. Adidas. Oh, you're even singing the song. All right. Point for Steve. Just a couple more questions. This sneaker was popularized by Sybil Shepard, who wore orange ones with her gown at the 1985 Emmy Awards. Steve. Steve. Reeboks. Correct. Point for Steve. And the last question in this round. This shoe looks like a pump, feels like a sneaker. Oh my gosh. Looks like a pump, feels like a sneaker. Does that help at all? Nope. 
Is it the Nike pump? Mm-mm. I mean, it's... it's Give up? Yes. It's not the ruse, are they? This shoe is called Easy Spirit, and if you guys remember the commercial, it's about a bunch of women playing basketball in these pumps, and it was ridiculous. <laughs> so even though, Brad, you have seven, and Steve, you have five, do you want the tiebreaker anyway? Oh, sure. You yeah. went to the trouble. You, you wrote it. Just yeah. for funsies. All right. What kind of shoe did Paula Abdul wear at the beginning of her video straight up? Brad. I... Brad. Tap dance shoes? That's correct. Brad, <laughs> you super won three points. So you have eight points to Steve's five points. That was pretty close. Steve, you came back. See? I think Brad was falling asleep. But he, you, Brad, I got to give you credit. You, you got some ones that I'm just like, wow. I mean, LA Gear. <laughs> I mean, I totally forgot about that. That was LA good. Gear. That was a good pull. Well, yeah. You know, sometimes you just have to trust your instincts on that stuff, right? Have we have we talked uh, about this? A, a, a friend, I had a friend who had this theory about playing trivia that you have all this stuff on cassettes in your head and you just have to listen to it when it plays back. And you know that that first, <laughs> first answer that comes in your head is off the tape, and you got to go with it. Yeah, no, yeah, that's I mean, right. And the you. fact that it's a tape is accurate. Right. Yeah, it's not vinyl. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't easy. I, I know that wasn't all the questions weren't easy. And I promise that I will not put the hardest ones on the <laughs> on the cruise trivia. Promise. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, don't forget that promo code is stuck eighty to get either eight hundred dollars off a balcony cabin or thousand dollars off a concierge stateroom. It's going to be an amazing trip. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be one for the ages. In the meantime, enjoy our Halloween show. Queue up uh, Beetlejuice. I watched it. I think I had to go to Prime Amazon and rent it. But nonetheless, uh, you're not an 80s fan if you haven't seen it. Take the time out. Oh, hang with what? the uh, Bio Exorcist. <laughs> and then come back to us next week when we're all hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Somebody help me! Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app. Because silver is naturally antimicrobial? Because silver is naturally antimicrobial. I can't say that word.